This is Pastor Jung here, Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California, and we are back as we continue on with the, well, uh, the birth of Cain and Abel. Uh, we continue on with uh, the reality of the offerings they bring, uh, but also uh, the caution of sin. Uh, we're going to cover all this and then uh, the progression of that sin uh, that would lead to uh, the first murder in the Bible. Um, again, a, a lot of important stuff here, a lot of good themes um, as we continue on uh, with our study together. Thank you for joining me this day um, again um, as, we, as we, you know, as we dig in the Word of God and, and how important it is to study, you know. So it's an important time, uh, <coughs> yes. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Bless us uh, in, in, in the study of this word as we uh, continue to meditate upon your scriptures. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Guide us by your word. And, and Lord, through all things, uh, bless us in your truth. Lord, we know that sin is ever before us. But yet, O oh Lord, you are the one who leads us not into temptation, but delivers us from evil. Bless us, O Lord, this day. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, friends. Uh, okay, we're back. Genesis 4. Uh, Genesis 4. Uh, that's capitulo 4 in Spanish. <laughs> I know my son's taking Spanish, so I'm he's like, Dad, check my homework. I'm like, all right, this is great, right? At least it's not math that I have to check. Anyways, love my Spanish. Anyways, um, even though I'm Korean, you know, that's interesting. I know Spanish more than Korean. Anyways, uh, Genesis 4, 1 to 9. What is going on here? Get out your Bibles. Uh, let us turn to Genesis chapter 4, and we will get at this. Let me turn to Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel, right? A great story with many things to study. So, uh, verses 1 and 2, why don't we read this together? Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and, the, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. Okay, so Genesis 1, 27 to 28 that is, um, uh, I believe, as we look back here, um, when we talk about uh, God creating man in his own image, male, female, he created them, but God blessed them and God said to them in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. So we see right here, though they fell into sin, they continue on, Right? Uh, with his command, but also Genesis 3.15, from the offspring of a woman there will be enmity, uh, you will crush his head, you will bruise his heel, and we call that the, the first gospel from the offspring of a woman. Again, uh, the, the title for verse 1 and 2 is, could this be, like, could this be the one, the one, the Savior of the world, is it? 
Because after all, I mean, after, after hearing what the Lord had promised, is it the Savior? And as we know the story, no, he wasn't. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, it's not... God's plan always is... Um, God's plan is always fulfilled. And he does that for us. Uh, because he is our Lord who uh, fulfills his promises. Right? So here we see, could this be, he makes, he, 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 by the help of the Lord, they bore Cain, they bore Abel. Now, what do we describe Cain as? A worker of the ground. Right? So Cain is, he's kind of like that farmer. He, he's the worker of the ground. And we see Abel as what? He's more of that shepherd, tending to the flock. Right? Animals. Right? Um, now, Cain, if you, if you want to know, name uh, in Hebrew means possession. Possession. How do you spell that? Two S's? Two S's? It's like tomorrow. Such a difficult word to spell. Um, possession. Um, Abel means vanity. How do we describe Cain? He's the firstborn. Now, naturally, uh, by the nature of being the firstborn or that having that birthright, uh, they would be inherently the one by their position, by their status, by their merit, they would be the kind of the favored one, uh, 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 the first one, the one that would inherit, <coughs> um, be the first to inherit. And, and there as a firstborn, it was just that innate understanding that, well, um, I'm kind of like in my position, I have that entitlement, I have uh, that favor. So, that's very important to understand because uh, this is the key, what's it? This is the key uh, this is the key motivation, or this, uh, this is how uh, Cain uh, filters everything he sees through his status as a firstborn. So everything that happens is based on his entitled position, and yeah, he is seeing everything uh, through that scope of his human merit. Right? Very important to, uh, to, to really remember throughout this whole context of Genesis chapter 4. Now Cain, what is it? He is, um, or Abel, he is the worker of the sheep. He uh, uh, helps the animals. Um, he is the keeper of them. He is that shepherd. Um, again, uh, a lot of stuff here uh, with parallels of Christ. But uh, here we see, um, again, uh, the keeper of sheep. And there, you know, as a second one, it's very interesting in our text. Uh, Abel really doesn't talk. Like, he's not, he's not really... I wouldn't say he's an afterthought, but definitely not the main character here. Even though he does some main character good things, like giving good offerings and all that, uh, he is still not the main character here. And I think that's, that plays an important role as well, right? Uh, that um, Abel is seen as the second one. I mean, some commentators would say that they're twins or whatever that may be, but still, I think that's not the key point here, whether they're twins or not, or, 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 or how that goes, but rather... Uh, he is the second born, and there is a second born. Um, he, in this narrative, uh, you really don't hear, he doesn't really, um, 
Yeah, he, he's not in the conversation. He's not in the narrative, the key, the key point here. All right, so could this be, right? And there, uh, Cain and Abel fulfilled their callings. Worker of the soil, keeper of the sheep, and that is their vocation in life. All right, verses 3 and 4. What's happening here? Why don't we read this together? In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought, verse 4, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. So offering-wise, how do we describe Cain's offering? As an offering from the fruit of the ground. And what about Abel, firstborn of the flock, fat portion? Now, how should we hear this, and how should we understand this, these verses right here? Very important, because, again, what did I say earlier? Uh, that we need to understand where Cain is uh, as his heart, as we know, it, it fails in unbelief, he, he lacks faith. And there in that, he, he trusted in his own merit as the firstborn. And, and there, in fact, uh, he just kind of gave the, the, he just kind of gave, right? This is, this is, as we see it, the earliest form of worship to God in the Bible. And, and there in that worship, they would give their offerings. And um, yeah, he gave the fruit of the ground. Of course, that's good, right? It reminds me of uh, the widow's mite, the widow's offering. You know, she gave all that she had. It was only uh, but a few coins. Uh, but the religious leaders, the, 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 the affluent, they gave out of abundance or what was left over, right? Um, and what did the Lord do? He, he, he definitely cherished or he definitely uh, valued the widow's offering more. Why? Because it all begins in the heart, right? It all begins in faith. Why don't we turn uh, to Hebrews 11.4 real quick in the Bible. Hebrews 11.4, if you have that. And here we see the, the, the core issue, but also how we ought to give, right? Hebrews 11.4, and it reads, if you're there, are you there at Hebrews 11? All right, Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So again, by faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Now, again, how we ought not to read this is, oh, it's the amount, right? It's, it's just simply the, the quantity, right? And again, you know, as we talk about the widow's might, we talk about the widow's offering, the, the abundance of the rich, uh, just giving out of uh, mechanical or, 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 or apathy or just ritual or just human process or whatever you want to call it. It all begins, and the key point is faith. You know, um, God, what does he want? What kind of giver does he want? As it says, St. Paul says in Corinthians, he, he desires a cheerful giver, right? And that cheerful giver begins in, in faith. That our good cheer is what? 
that we are with God, number 805, and that by faith, we live under his name. He provides all that we have. He created our being. He redeems us. He sanctifies us. And there we go to offer him, offer and give, right? And this is the big difference. It all begins with our faith in God and his word. Now, without faith, uh, uh, people might, may give begrudgingly. Uh, people may be giving legalistically. Uh, people may be giving uncheerfully. But yet, with faith and Abel, what does he give? The firstborn, the fat portion. He gives the first fruits. He gives uh, uh, not because he had something left over, but rather uh, because, uh, again, uh, everything belongs to God. And uh, this is the key to offering and uh, to to that early form of worship in the Bible, is that it all begins with faith, right? And that's the thing, you know, when we talk about giving, even in this present day and age, I think people get a little, what's the word? Uh, get a little, their, their, their hands clench their wallet a little bit or their purse or whatever, wherever you keep your money. Maybe it's your bank account on the computer, on, online, whatever it may be. Uh, but this is one thing that I always tell people about offering. Now, whoever's listening to this, and, and however you listen to this, uh, take this, these words I'm about to tell you uh, with, with faith, right? With faith. And I know our old Adam always is attacking us and always is tempting us. Like, no, that's yours, that's your money, that's your money. And, and this is, the, you earned it, you deserved it, you worked tar- so hard for it, and, and this is yours. But think about that. You know, when we talk about offering, and, and hear this with faith, friends, um, everything belongs to God. Right? He, he gives us all that we have. Uh, he, he gives us our job. He gives us our, our, um, our callings in life, just like can enable. He provides for us. He sustains us. Um, and, and everything that we have is his. Everything. And the, the thing about giving is this. I know sometimes um, we might say, oh, the church, you know, you always hear this in the world. The church, you just want us to come to church because the church wants our money. And, um, and I don't really think that's the case. It's not about that, right? You know, when we give, friends, we give out of great joy. Now, what I mean by that is when we talk about offering, we talk about the firstborn, the, fir- the fat portion, um, What was I saying? I forgot. (laughs) Uh, I had a train of thought. I totally forgot. But the point is, is that, uh, you know, when we give, uh, it's always uh, in faith, right? Right? We we always give in faith. And, oh yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right. Uh, Let me see. I think I remember. I think I forgot. (laughs) But my mind is so... Blurry sometimes. Sorry, too, too much information. But, but here, I think, sorry, I'm having a blip. Um, here in faith, when we talk about it, um, and, and, as, and as we give, um, oh, that's right. Okay, yes. Uh, you know, our old Adam says, this is, my, this is my money. This is my offering. I mean, this is, this is my possession, right? Um, and our old Adam says, I need this to be free. 
I need the material. I need all that I have to be free in my life. And, and our sinful nature says that, right? Uh, this is mine. This is mine. I need to build my grain houses. I need to store them in these grain houses. I need to uh, eat, drink, and be merry as we know the parable of the rich fool, right? Um, but by faith, when we give, and we give joyfully and abundantly and generously, the paradoxical thing is that you are set free from the covetous idolatry of this material life. And trust me, I, I, as the chief of sinners, very well know how easy it is to clench the wallet and say, oh, I could use that money. I could, I could use that for something else. Or, oh, I, I could definitely, uh, well, I, I don't know this month. I, I, maybe I should just keep it for myself and, and use it in my own way. But, but then... Again, I catch myself and say, wait, I'm being captivated by my own nature. And though my old Adam says, oh, this is good, this is good, keep it for yourself, you realize that you're being enslaved by the very idols that are before you. Now, when we give cheerfully, and, and you know, as Sunday comes up, and as we, let's say, give to church in our time and talents uh, with our monies and, and with, our, with our talents, um, we very well know that uh, we give to the Lord, we pray for this offering, uh, we, we pray that the Lord will use it for His glory, uh, but also that we pray that we may give it cheerf- cheerfully, knowing that we thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to us, because you give us absolutely everything, right? And that's where uh, this life of offering and giving is so great, because it begins with faith, faith under His name, faith under the redemption, faith in what God has given to us. And that is the key. It's not quantity. You know, if, if, God, if you gave a million dollars, right, for an offering, but in your heart you're like, man, I don't want to do that. Like, I could have I put a down payment on a house, or I could have done this for my life, or I could have done this for my life. You know, it's not a legalistic thing, right? God uh, uh, wants a cheerful giver, and that is rooted in faith, Right? And that's the key. You know, I don't want you to say, I have to give more in a sense of that burdensome have to, because that's not what we want, right? It's, it's to give in faith, to give joyfully, knowing that by the word of God, faith comes by hearing in the word of Christ, their faith guides you in that very joy to love and serve and, 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 and to live out your vocation as Cain and Abel did. But yet in faith, this is where we see the distinction between the offerings of Cain and Abel. It's faith and the lack of faith, or belief and unbelief. And, and that's the key. You know, I could preach, I could preach about money all the time, um, but it's not simply just giving money or giving offering or giving your time and talents to church, but rather it begins in the faith that is of Christ. And that's the key, friends. It begins in faith. Faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and, and what he has done for you as you joyfully live this redemptive and free life under his, under his sacrifice. And this is where we continue to offer to the Lord. So again, very, uh, very important that we look at Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel's offering was acceptable or more acceptable to God because of that faith. Right? That's the key here. All right. So, moving on, enough of that. (laughs) Um, uh, We see in verse 5, let's say, his reaction. 
right? But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. He was angry. Face fell. And that's kind of like that full on 360 turn, right? That everything was turned upside down. Now, why did he get angry? Now, this is a very, an, another important context of, of where Cain comes from. Now, as a firstborn, again, you, you assume that you are kind of like that, uh, that you are the superior, that, that, you, are the, that you have that status. Uh, we, we talk about Jacob and Esau. You know, Esau had that status, but he got, he got <laughs> well, because he was hungry, he, he, he gave his birthright to Jacob. Anyways, that's another story. Um, in the book of um, Genesis. But anyways, uh, here we see, uh, why, why was he angry? Now, it all goes back to faith. Uh, think about that. You know, you know, I know, Matt, you're listening right now, probably, I think. I'm assuming you're listening, Matt. Uh, but if, you know, as a faithful uh, child of God, I see you doing great things. Uh, you're, you're loving and serving in your community. You're taking care of your kids. Um, you're, you're using the hands that God has given you to do the very vocation that is before you. Um, and, um, and I'm definitely happy for you. Like, that is, that is so great to hear, right? Um, um, you, are, uh, uh, you are doing great things in this life as God is leading you, and I'm not jealous one bit, right? But why aren't I jealous? Uh, because I guess the answer is, I am not ruled by my own self-righteousness. If I was ruled by my own self-righteousness, I would be jealous. Because what you were doing would be uh, a mark on me, in a sense, where I need to be better. I need to be more righteous. I need to do this and that. I, I think that's what I meant right there. <laughs> but we see right here with Cain, his merit, his righteousness, his status, was all about his position. And when the Lord favored his little brother's offering, this offended him because his status was based on himself. And when someone is favoring the other person's offering in our human nature, we become what? Envy and jealous because we, at the end of the day, lack the faith, the good conscience that we are children of God. Does that make sense? You know, that, that's the, 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 the dangerous nature of self-righteousness or entitlement or merits uh, of human uh, rooted in human nature is that, you know, we, we are always on this competitive streak where we need to be better or we need to one up or we just need to be the, the top, uh, the, the head honcho of all things. And, and this is what happens with self-righteousness, right? Um, it, it, it gets us envious. It gets us even angry. See, so entering the, the context of Cain here, it is no surprise because without faith, without a peaceable conscience, uh, living on your own human merit and status, uh, there your reaction would be anger, right? Par- uh, hypothetically, uh, if it was not about human merit, if it wasn't for the lack of faith, and, and he had that good conscience, and he knew that he, was, uh, uh, he belonged to the Lord and that God provided him all things, indeed, uh, he would be what? He would be joyous for his brother, right? Because they're all on the same team anyway. They all have faith, right? Um, and this is, I think, an important, important context here about his reaction. His, he was angry and his faith fell. And, and the Lord knew this. And what does he say in verse 6 and 7 right here? 
He says, the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? I mean, uh, you know, be happy for your brother. But yet, but yet uh, what happens here? There is schism, there is anger, and there the Lord warns him, sin is crouching at the door. I told the story all the time. You know, me and my daughter, we'd always, uh, uh, she, we always take turns scaring each other because uh, that's just what we do. <laughs> uh, but she'd always, uh, you know, I'd have my door closed, um, and she'd always uh, uh, stand at my bedroom door, and there when I opened the door, she wouldn't even say boo, or she wouldn't even try to scare me. She would just stand there uh, silently, and it would just scare me, right? And we would go back and forth, and it would just crouching at the door, and, and we would try to scare each other in that silent way. Um, but, you know, and the reason why I bring that up is, is when we talk about crouching, sin is crouching at the door, um, it's so deceptive that we don't even know it's there. Does that make sense? It's so deceptive that we open that door and say, yeah. I don't see anything. Everything is fine, right? It's so invisibly silent and, and, and so deceitful that the Lord, as Cain is reacting in anger as his face has fallen, he does not really see what is going before him. And the Lord is cautioning him. Take warning. Take warning, right? Sin is crouching at the door. And this is uh, what is really happening here. You know, and for Cain, it wasn't just about being angry or ha- having his face fallen or looking at his brother and saying, look, I should, I should be favored. Look, and, and, and this is a bigger thing for the Lord. He is showing Cain that this is the heart of the matter, that sin is crouching at the door, that sin is that dangerous. So take caution take warning right i mean uh, i think for us we very well know how sin can be marginalized sin can be something that we kind of uh you know dismiss uh sin is something that we try to excuse by justifying ourselves and and we live in a world that uh you know sin has you know people just don't want to go there um they don't want to address it uh they don't want to talk about it uh they want to excuse it uh, they want to even turn sin into no sin by saying that's not sin at all, right? We, we see how, uh, how deceptive sin can be, and it, it's crouching at the door. It's not like checking in and out, right? It's not clocking in and out, right? The devil is constantly throwing those arrows at us, pounce, ready to pounce, ready to devour, uh, and he is crouching, trying to tempt to turn us from every which way. Um, and here we see it. Uh, so again, um, continuing on here, it says, uh, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. What does it mean if you do well and not well? Is that a legalistic command? Is that a You are sent to God? Is that what it means? And the answer is no, right? This is all about faith. Right? Luther once said, Oh, I missed it. Yes. Listen in. 
volume one, page 257 of Luther's works, based on Genesis. This is the essence of our teaching, right? We teach and confess that a person rather than his work is accepted by God and that a person does not become righteous as a result of righteous work, but that a work becomes righteous and good as a result of a righteous and good person, right? Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, what Luther says here is we are not righteous by our righteous works, but our works are righteous, what? As a result of the righteous and good person. The righteous shall live by faith, right? If you do well and not well, it's not just on you. It's not on human merit, right? And see, this is with Cain. It's all about human merit here. With Abel, we see the picture of faith. And how we read this well and not well is what? The legalistic mind will say, I got to do better. I got to give more. Amount, quantity, amount, all these things. It's all about that. It's not about faith. It's not about the heart of the matter. I just have to do well. I have to do better. I have to make that ascent to God. I have to escalate and, and, and ascend and make that, that upward, that upward uh, uh, springboard up to God. I have to do it. I have to be well. It's all on me, Right? And again, this is how we juxtapose Cain and Abel. Human merit will look at this and say, I have to be better. Being a Christian is about doing all these things. No, the answer is being Christian is the blood of Christ shed for you, giving you life in his name, forgiving you of all your sin so that you may have life by his grace, undeserved only by the merits of Christ, right? So well and not well, if you do well. Again, this is a picture of a good conscience. You know, if, if Matt uh, is doing well and, and my, 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 my conscience is, let's say, uh, full of self-righteousness, uh, then I'm going to be angry and jealous, let's say. I mean, I'll never be angry and jealous with Matt. Um, great to know you, Matt. But, but the point is, is that um, with a good conscience, of course, right? All, all, what a great... What a great uh, you know, with a good conscience, uh, being righteous, uh, there is no place for anger because your righteousness is Christ. Your, your status, your, your position, your, your, uh, your, your identity is all by the merits of Christ. See, that's the thing. That it, it's, it's a picture of righteousness. It, it's it's a, a picture of where we are under his name in this life of faith. Now, when we lack that, then we do the opposite. We lack faith. We're, 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 we're trusting in our self-righteousness. We're based on our own human merit. And there we go on with the comparing and contrasting and competitive. I have to be better. I have to be more righteous. And, and it's all on me. And again, um, that's what we face, right? So we see uh, Cain uh, based on, and remember that Luther quote, very good. Um, yes, uh, very good. Uh, and the last part of that verse seven is you must rule over. Now, how do we, can we rule over our sin? That's the question. Can you rule over your sin? Can you rule over it by your own, again, context, human merit? Can you do it? Right? Can you do it? And the answer is our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth, right? Our help is in the name of the Lord. 
from the book of the Psalm, right? The Psalms. And, and, and we very well know uh, that our help is in the name of the Lord or that our help comes from our God. Uh, and there we always pray in that ruling over it. We know our flesh, Romans 7, 5, Galatians 5, 17. If you ever want to read those, uh, you'll, you'll definitely see... Uh, um, sorry. Galatians... Romans 7.5. You'll see the nature of our sin. And there, by his grace, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you are in the face of temptation, pray those very words. Because our Lord, he hears our prayers and he helps and guides us through uh, these tenuous moments of the tentatu, this spiritual fight. Right, And he guides us by the Spirit, by his word, to overcome the sin that is ever before us. So this is, again, a helplessness in a sense of our own nature cannot help us, but rather by the help of Christ in this life of faith, there he leads and guides us in his very word. Again, context is very important. The character attributes of Cain versus the life of faith in Abel uh, we know how that manifests itself. And, and, and for Cain, again, this is how it's manifested. Lack of faith, anger, face fallen. The Lord even putting up the flag saying, sin is crouching at your door, right? Uh, good conscience, bad conscience, well, not well. You must rule over it. He gave him the flags, right? He, he, he put them up. He gave him the warning. But yet, as we see right here in verse 8, what happens? Cain spoke to his, Abel, his brother Abel. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, right? Now, again, uh, I know that sounds like a boring sentence right there, or just not a boring, but just a simple, okay, yeah, he spoke to his brother, but here we see the progression of sin as what happens here. Um, It's definitely premeditated. You know, when we are in that tunnel vision of sin, we see nothing but our sin. I know we, we read a Luther quote uh, a couple weeks ago about that, and uh, we very well know how, uh, what is it? Uh, when we're in sin, uh, it flatters us. Uh, when we're in sin, there is no sting. I think that's what he said. Uh, and it's it just so natural to us, right, uh, in that very moment of sin. And this is what is happening here with Cain. Um, he, sin is crouching at his door. Uh, it is entrenching and enveloping him. And there he's simply speaking to his brother, all with what is in his mind, that he is going to lead him to the field, right? You know, Abel probably thought this is just another ho-hum day where we are fulfilling our callings uh, given to us, whether it's a shepherd or in the field. But Cain rose up and went to that field, and what did he do? He killed him, Right? We see the progression. Um, And again, you know, though we see the consequence of death and and even for Cain, his consequence, I guess the key is, and we'll talk about this in the future, the key is Seth. Remember? Could this be? Is this the man? You know, through tragedy, this is definitely what it was. The Lord's promise still prevails. His promise will be fulfilled as Seth was born. Now, what's so so important about Seth? This is the line to which who would come? Jesus, right? 
And that's the key here, right? Through all the tragedy, even through the first murder, the Lord's will is done through Seth, family line to Jesus, right? So remember that this day, friends. Um, There's a lot here. Quick review. Uh, From Cain and Abel, from faith to unbelief, how that really does uh, 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 picture their offering, in a sense, of how they gave through faith. His reaction, why did he react this way? Remember his characteristics, remember his context. And there the Lord, by his word, warns him, right? Warns him of what could happen as his sin would would envelop him. And there we see the result of first murder. This is the progression of sin, right? But sin doesn't prevail. The Lord prevails. Jesus, through the line of Seth, right? Remember that to say, okay, we're, we're totally going far here. 37 minutes. Too long, too long. But um, I know there's much more about this uh, text uh, that we could have covered, I know. But um, um, for the sake of time, um, maybe next time, we'll, maybe the next go around when we we'll go through Genesis in a couple years, or in like 10 or 15 years, uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go back at it. But uh, hopefully this went well with you. We'll, we'll start with verse 9 next week about his, also his reaction um, and his utter denial. Again, this progression doesn't stop in, in the light of sin. And um, uh, we see how Cain goes. So anyways, uh, let us close with the word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, we know that sin is ever before us as well. We know the attack of, of the devil and his minions. But Lord, protect us from the evil foe. May the evil foe have no power over us. And may your holy angels protect and lead us and guide us. Lord, bless us this day in your word, knowing full well that though we have fallen short, um, you have given us Jesus, uh, thank you for the redemption. Thank you uh, for your grace. Bless us this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, until next time, thank you for joining me. Genesis 4, 1A, hopefully this is well with you. If you missed something, please check it out. Remember, uh, 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 Sunday, All Saints Day, time change. Remember, one hour backwards for those who are listening across the world, let's say on Sunday. I don't know how that works, but hopefully you can figure it out. Um, Actually, it's 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. All Saints Day, 8 a.m., All Saints Day. Um, and um, what a great day is to, uh, to sermonize about the Beatitudes, but also to preach about what it means to be a saint. So you are one of them. I'll tell you how. Check us out on Sunday. All right, have a wonderful day, friends. Love you all. Pray for you all. Until next time, God bless you. Adios and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.